Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hey everyone, I'm Brian Austin Green. I'm Shauna Burgess. And I'm Randy Spelling. And you are listening to Oldish, an iHeartRadio podcast. What's up, Randy? How you feeling? <laughs> feeling good, Sharna. We just feel like we're just moving with the changes today. So we don't have Bri with us right now. He's on his way. He got caught in crazy traffic. My man is many things, but a good scheduler is not one of them. So he's going to be running in here in five minutes. But I'm, I'm excited to be here with you, Randy. We have a really cool guest today. We have a really cool guest. I'm so excited to talk with her and spend a little time with her. So we have on the podcast today, Savannah Chrisley, who grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. She's best known for starring on the USA Network's Chrisley Knows Best and the spinoff Growing Up Chrisley. She is a makeup guru and has her own beauty brand called Sassy. She also has her own podcast called she Unlocked does. with Savannah Chrisley, uh-huh. which I have listened to some episodes. It is great. She's on the newest season of Special Forces, of course, with Brian, World's Toughest Test. Savannah Chrisley, welcome to Oldish. Thank you for joining us, Savannah. Thank you so much. What an experience. Podcasting is like one of my favorite things, so... It's really cool. I don't know if you have this issue, but we have technical difficulties literally every episode of us just trying to get it together. Uh, We are not a well-oiled machine yet, but we are a fun one. I will say that. We get into some good stuff. It's okay. I don't, I do like all of my stuff in person. So, cause I'm terrible with technology. So I would be in the same boat. I would always have a technical difficulty if I did it from home. <laughs> I love that for you. We're going to move up in, in, in the podcast world and we're going to do that too. Um, I you can definitely... just claim to be oldish, Savannah. I mean, no matter what age, hey, you could just join us in the technically challenged, challenged. arena. <laughs> that hey, is us. I am there. I am very, I'm like the grandmother of my friend group. So I'm there. I totally get it. I'm like that too. I've always been like that. Wait, Savannah, remind me if it's okay me asking how old you are? 26. You're 26? Oh my gosh, you're a baby. Wait, so I can say that to someone. I can't say that to anyone on this to show. Me. If I ask that, that would be a sort of a no-no. Like, oh, you're not supposed to ask a, a woman her age. But now if you, if another woman asks, is that okay? Hey, I'm not, honestly, I did not grow up in a very soft environment. So I don't take offense to anything. Right, so yeah. The whole age thing and the whole, I'm just like, I have to, I ask a lot of things I shouldn't ask. So that's another thing is I just, no filter. I think, you know what I think would be offensive, Randy, if you followed it up with, oh, wow, I didn't, oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know? oh, I think wow. that's why you'd be like, okay, that's, that's shitty, you know, but right. Savannah, you, you look amazing. You have beautiful skin. You're obviously a beautiful woman. Thank you for hanging out with us today. I've heard so many amazing things about you from Bri. Um, and leading into knowing that we were going to get to chat with you today, tried to learn as much as I could about you. And I just, just need to say, wow, you are an amazing human. Um, and I'm so incredibly impressed by you and your story. And I'm just really grateful that you said yes to come and hang with us today and to talk about things. Thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. Life throws you curveballs, And I'm like, you have to 
you just have to take it as it comes at this point. And that's what I do. I'm like, you have to find the positive in every situation because there is something positive to take away from everything as long as you're looking for it. Yes. Okay. So let's rewind it back for those listening, for those who are not familiar with your story and how you got to the sentiment that you just shared with life throws you curveballs because just a deep breath, a sigh for how many curveballs you've been thrown. And I think it's so important to get into that because everyone can relate to curveballs. We all might have different curveballs, but it is these unexpected moments in life that happen and just make your head spin. How do you deal with that? So can you take us back to the beginning, start with your upbringing and how you got into the reality TV world? Yeah, so I am one of five uh, siblings. So I come from a big family. My dad, he was married before my mom had two kids and then met my mom and had us three. And that, you know, I grew up very, my parents were wealthy. I grew up around that. And, but I also watched my parents like have it all and lose it all which Mm. was, I would say, the most humbling experience, but also a blessing in disguise because it would be so easy to be like this spoiled brat that is so used to having things handed to her. But also at the age of 15, I watched my parents go from having it all to losing it all. And during that year, my mom was also diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, So my dad filed bankruptcy. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. My grandfather passed away from liver cancer all within that same year. Wow. Um, and then our show came about, which was, yeah, our show came about, which was a blessing in disguise. And so we started filming Chris Lee Knows Best and it got picked up. It was nine out of 10 networks wanted it. So it was a huge bidding war and it ended up on USA E and Bravo. It was the only show to have ever done that, which now they say like they still try to break the record, but it hasn't been done yet. And we filmed our show for 10 years and it was, it was difficult because I was 15. I was on TV and our show was more of like a scripted comedy. It was labeled as reality, but it was scripted comedy. Everything had to be funny. Didn't matter what you were going through. We had to make a joke about it. And that was really difficult, especially being 15 and having to, like put on a face for the world and you're growing. That's when you do a lot of your most pivotal, like growing moments. I like to say those are the hardest years. Yeah. Mm. Like you're trying to figure out who you are, but then the world's telling you who you should be. And so I struggled a Mm. lot with my own self-worth and identity and um, trauma in a way uh, when it comes to that. And especially anxiety, depression, my therapist, She kind of labels it as like high functioning depression to where it's like I'm suffering, but no one will ever know that I'm suffering. And then, you know, fast forward a few years, my parents obviously had been going through this whole legal battle since 2012 um, is when it started and we're filming the show and we have to act like it's not happening because Mm. that's what the network wanted. Wow. I'm yeah. so sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I just want to lay that out for a second because of some of the things you said, your your family had everything. You you had money, you grew up wealthy. You yeah. every the family lost their wealth, filed for bankruptcy, started this show. The show is a hit. You now have to show up in this scripted comedy in your most hard, awkward, pivotal years, put on a face to the world. Your parents are dealing with legal battles, but yet Mm -hmm. this is not outward facing. So you still have to put on that face and play this role, so -hmm. to speak, without anyone knowing. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And that was the toughest part because, you know, at the end, it just made us look like liars, like, because it was, our show was a reality show, but we were told what we were and we're not allowed to talk about. And right. that just put us in a bad spot because we we just had to lie. And now everyone's like, oh, you guys are such liars. You never told us the truth, whatever. But it wasn't up to us. 
So we had to play this part and be these funny characters when in reality our whole world was falling apart and no one knew. Mm. Um, and so for 2012, the whole legal battle started. Um, and then fast forward to 2022, 10 years later, um, in 2019, both my parents got like formally indicted and it was, you know, all white collar crime, tax fraud, bank fraud, all these different things. And then we went to trial and both my parents were sentenced to federal prison. It was a combined 19 years they were sentenced to, uh, for oh an alleged white collar crime. And I have a 10 year old sister and a 17 year old brother that at that point I took custody of. And now we're going on 10 months of me being mom, dad, sister, caregiver, provider. Uh, so it's, it's, it's intense. It's, I didn't realize that was so recent. It's only been the last 10 months that they've been in prison. Yeah. It's Jojo Siwa, host of the new podcast, Jojo Siwa Now. It's time to get real up close and personal. I'm going to be talking to you like I'm writing in a journal. You're going to get all of the tea and all of the scoop. I'm also going to be talking to my friends, to people I admire, to people that are trending right now. So you're going to get like Jojo Siwa Now and like now what's going on in the world. It's going to be great and I really hope you like it. You can listen to Jojo Siwa Now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. Sorry. Sorry, I'm late. About time you showed up. Yeah, he made Los Angeles it. traffic. There oh, you go. Los Angeles traffic. <laughs> How are you, Savannah? I'm good. I'm good. So I hear, you, uh, I hear you telling your story already. You speak very well about that. She's amazing. I'm, I'm oh, so she, impressed. Not to cut off what you were talking about, because I'm sure you were in the middle of something, but I, one of the things I noticed right away from Savannah when we met 
was that she has such an optimistic view and way of handling a situation that I cannot imagine the immense pressure that you feel in this. I mean, what you've taken on that you legally adopted uh, your sister and your cousin. Is that who it is? Oh, so my sister, technically, she is my half brother's daughter. Okay, But my parents had adopted her and they've had her since she was a baby. So she's been raised as sister. So right. You just stepped in and absolutely took responsibility for it and and have have stepped up and I've I've heard you talk about it. I mean, you are so just completely dedicated to creating the best, most normal home life you possibly can. It's so I, I so admire you for that because it's a huge responsibility. You didn't ask for it. I mean, you're kind of yeah. in a situation that is, has just been presented to you and you've it seems you've made the absolute best of it. Mm. I can't imagine how hard it is though. I can understand and really everyone listening can understand the different phases. So bef- before even getting to, you know, having custody and you know, taking care of being a caretaker basically, being a, a parent Brian said that you are so very positive and you're optimistic. And the interviews that I watched with you, the things that I've seen you say, you do just exude that. You you have that. And I can't help but ask or wonder, was there ever a time where you weren't optimistic, where, you know, you said you had to do this show all of this legal stuff was going on in the background. You had to be funny and play this mm-hmm. character while trying to find yourself and feeling yeah. depressed and anxious. Was there ever a time that you wanted to tap out and just say, I, I can't do this anymore? Mm. So I actually did. Um, there was two different times, uh, one at the age of 15 and again at the age of 18 uh, that I actually attempted suicide. And the, you know, I had endured some trauma that like I've never spoken about. um, Just it's never been the right time to speak about. But there was definitely trauma that I had endured um, that I didn't know how to speak about or I didn't that on top of also being on TV and having to act like my life is funny mm-hmm. when it's like I'm suffering emotionally and it was really tough. And I did uh, attempt to take my life. I say the first time was really just a cry for help, wanting someone to listen and just I had I couldn't vocalize it. And that, that was on me, but also at 15, I really don't know if you know how to. You have the tools. No. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it wasn't equipped with the tools to do so. Um, and so it was, it was really challenging and very difficult. And then, you know, at 18, I moved out on my own. Um, and there was so much going on between legal stuff, TV, uh, and still I had yet to work on the trauma that led me to that at 15 as well. Mm. And so at that point, I went to a facility called Onsite, and it's in Nashville, right outside of Nashville, and then right outside of San Diego, they have a place. Um, and for the first time, I did therapy um, because I grew up in the South, so where luckily now it's different, or at least I like to think the only thing my generation has done right is normalize that it's okay to not be okay, and it's yes. okay. Right. Yes. yes. Go to therapy and to ask for help. But I, in the South, you just don't do that. Like there's a I saying, keep all of your dirty laundry. You don't put your dirty laundry on the front porch for everyone to see. Like mm. if I grew up, you walk out the front door, you put a smile on your face. It doesn't matter. You could be crying two seconds before, but like no one else is going to know that. And especially too being on TV, you couldn't trust to go and talk to someone in fear of it getting out. And so there was all these different levels to it. And then finally at 18, I was like, all right, like I, I've got to get some help. I have to talk to someone. Um, And so I started talking to a therapist, but it wasn't until I was 21 that I actually went to onsite and dug deep and actually came to terms with like my trauma, my codependency, 
ways that I was raised and I had to face it head on. I also had to take accountability for my actions and maybe what I've done to contribute to get me to where I'm at. Mm. Do you still feel like you fight against that, um, that programming of hide your dirty laundry? Is it still like an active practice for you to be like, no, I'm going to share or I'm going to work through it with therapy or vulnerably share in the way that you have with, you know, your podcast and the things you're doing, which helps other people heal. But I hear you because I I imagine programming like that, that's so built into you just from family and culture, right? That you have to daily practice the art of expressing and being okay with not being okay. You know, I feel like, which I'm happy to say that I've come such a long way that like even the legal journey that my family's been through in a way it's taken like all blinders off. Like Mm. now nothing's off limits. I don't have a production company or a network that's restricting me and not allowing me to things. And I also don't have to hide anything anymore. Um, mean, you know, it's like proof is in the numbers. So I look at my podcast and I look at videos and the ones that I'm the most vulnerable, you go, those are the most, those are the highest rated episodes. Those are, have the most positive comments. And you look and you see people that are like, thank you so much. I needed this. This saved me. This, and that for me is, it gives me the strength to be as open and honest and as vulnerable as I am because it's helping people and it's changing people's lives. Mm, and sure. So for me, I'm like, if I can take my hurt and it changed just one person's life, then it was worth it. Right. Absolutely. I think people don't realize that the more, the more they tend to share with people, you create this community of, of people that not only really appreciate uh, someone else being in the position and, and helping them, helping guide them through something, but you you also find this community of people that really just so appreciate your honesty within it. Uh, it that opens so so many doors for people, and um, and you know it's not at the end of the day, it feels so much better to be reaching one person than having a bunch of people following you and liking you. Yeah, be, because it's so much more for me at least. It's so much more rewarding. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I. I noticed to go back to, again, to when, when Savannah and I first met, we met in the hotel leading up to special forces. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's, it's really funny because we couldn't come from more different backgrounds, uh, different States, different cultures, different societies, different, um, political views, different everything. And, and, you know, when you, when you meet someone that is so different, there's that immediate smack in the face of, oh man, is this going to be like, were we set up in in this? Like, did they, did they think there was going to be major conflict? And so this is great for TV. And right away we, we realized, or I realized uh, with Savannah that we had an amazing, just open conversation about everything. And we were both open to learning about each other and different views and understanding each other better. So we had from day one, we just had an amazing connection that way. And I think it's, and I think it's so amazing either through uh, politics or, or societal conversations or just reaching out to people that have differences of opinion and different things to realize that that doesn't mean that they are an enemy in any way. Um, that, that you learn so much more from that. And I think, uh, I personally think that you, that you doing this podcast, doing your own, reaching out to people, showing people that, you know what, this situation, as hard as it is, it's, I'm making the absolute best of it. And you can too. Uh, I think that is, that's an invaluable message. That's the biggest thing is that, if this has taught me anything, it's to open your eyes to something other than yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like to say is with both my parents sitting in federal prison, I never one time thought about the over 2 million people that are incarcerated in our country today. I, I didn't think about it. I didn't think about how these people were treated. I didn't think about 
government corruption. I didn't think it's just like, oh, they're there. They did what they did. They deserve to suffer. Well, no one deserves to, once I'm in it and it's like smacking me in the face, I see, okay, my parents are consuming food that says not for human consumption. They are being exposed to black mold, asbestos, lead-based paint. And like just inhumane conditions, no air conditioning. And you look at it and you're like, okay, wow. Part of me was kind of beating myself up over it. The fact that I was so tone deaf and so selfish to never have opened my eyes to that. And now it's like, all right, I've, I've taken accountability because I didn't know anything. But it's when you know better, you know better. And that's now, it's like, all right, now I know better. Now it's my job to be a voice and to open up about these things. And it kind of goes back to what Brian said. Like, you can have completely different political beliefs or views about life. But I like to think that everyone's opinions and beliefs come from their own life experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so every it's valid. It doesn't mean we have to agree with each other, but the sooner that we learn to have respect for differences and opinions and beliefs, Mm -hmm. the better our world will be. And that's why it's like, I don't need to believe the same as you to like you. And Mm -hmm. I love, we all can learn a little something if we just open our eyes and ears to something different than ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think too, you, you spoke about like, oh, well, you know, it's uh, judging yourself for, for not being more understanding of what is going on within the prison system until you were directly affected by it. But you, there's so much going on in the world. Sometimes it's not until uh, you're presented with something where I think yeah. you really start learning about those things and getting into it. The fact that you have done that, the fact that you have taken this situation and you're absolutely finding the silver lining within it and making the best of it and trying to help educate people and share your story. Um, I, I think, I think that kudos to you on doing that. Cause that is not that it's having to live in a situation like you are right now. It's not an easy one. And the fact that you are stepping outside of just your own involvement in it, and you're trying to guide and help and educate other people within it is, is amazing to do. Oh, thank you. Mother's day is right around the corner. And in true, she pivots fashion. We're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. 
Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I would love to hear about the the whole parenting process in the last 10 months, but I was really struck. I was watching, I think it was on your podcast. There was a clip with you and your brother, Grayson, and you were talking back and forth. And he said, Savannah, I think the, the hardest thing for you, you are just like dad. You want to fix things. You've always been like that. And you can't fix this Mm, and you got emotional and I was wondering what about that statement hit you so hard and moved you to tears. I think, and I think, I think I said it on special forces, like for the first time in my life, I love two human beings more than I love myself Mm. And, and watching Chloe and Grayson and the hurt that they're enduring, you know, they, I so badly just want to take it away. Just like I will take it from you and feel it and be the punching bag if you don't have to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what comes with being a parent. Like you want to shield them from anything and everything that could possibly ever hurt them. And when it comes to, I think there was a few different reasons why I got so emotional. I think one of them is because my dad and I are very similar. Um, very, very similar. So in a way it's like, oh, I miss him so much that it's like, I maybe I'm channeling more of him, but also there are way he and I, I like to say it was something I had to work through in therapy because we are so codependent on each other that like we would lie, for instance, about like having a work meeting that we would have to go to just so he and I could go to lunch together and none of my other siblings would come. that was because there's somebody (laughs) like all right we have a meeting we have to go but really we're just like going to lunch and gossiping with each other um Mm -hmm. and you know so he and I are very similar but I think in that moment it also hit me that he's right like this isn't something that I can fix um and I've always had the fix it mentality and I think maybe that the fix it mentality was me running from the trauma that I couldn't fix so if I couldn't control that, I need to be able to control everything else around me. And I think that was the struggle is realizing that like, I can't fix it. And as much as it sucks, I want to be able to take the hurt and the pain away. But at the same time, when I did compete on special forces, I also was really hard on myself about walking away after the fact. I was like, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it. And I was saying all these things to myself. And then I thought to myself, like, okay, I am being so hard on myself. Would I want these two kids at 10 and 17 to be as hard on themselves as I'm being on me right now? Mm -hmm. And the answer was no. And so then I had to ask myself, okay, why are they more deserving of this than you are? And in that moment, I realized, like, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not do things exactly how you thought you were going to do it because sometimes just showing up is enough and especially in today's day and age after covid and just the world that we live in right now sometimes just showing up is enough because that's all that you can do and i've had to i've just had to work through a lot of that and i'm a huge advocate for therapy mm-hmm. and trying to see things And I want to understand everything. I want to understand every feeling, every emotion, every, so sometimes it's like, it's, it can be a lot, Yeah. but I'm to, yeah. And just with the kids, it's kind of like, we're kind of under the understanding that we're growing up together because I didn't lay down and have two kids, you know, I didn't get to grow from a baby to a 10 year old and then a 17 year old. 
Mm. I just at 25 was thrown a 10 year old and 17 year old. So we've had to learn together and we've had to kind of take it in strides. Parenting we, talk, we talk about is, it here all the time. Sorry, go ahead, baby. Parenting is something that will change you forever. And you have stepped into a parenting role. So that is certainly the experience that you're having right now. What is, I think, one of the biggest understandings or the biggest, oh my God, this is what it takes to be a parent moments that you've had now having had to step into these shoes? Because I'm sure that there are many, but were there any moments where you stood there and you were like, I just don't know how mom and dad did it? So the first one that hit me was right after mom and dad left. So we didn't do in a way. I feel like everyone was acting like it wasn't going to happen. And mm. for it was so frustrating because I was like, what, what's everyone doing? Like, like they're leaving. We need to prepare for this. But then I was like, I can't imagine how it would feel for them to just watch their kids stuff leave their house and to mm. know like they're leaving and they don't know when they're coming back. And so after they left, um, I, we went to the house, packed up the kids stuff, moved them to my house. They had their own rooms. I put together their rooms. Like it was all in a day. And then that weekend we were going and visiting dad and I like couldn't find Chloe's hair stuff and I couldn't find this. And I just like broke down. I fell to the floor and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm. Like, I, I don't know how my mother has done it for 27 years with five kids and now six with Chloe. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how she did it. And then, you know, I had myself a good cry and then I figured it out from there. But on the day to day basis, you know, I don't have a lot of help. Um, I don't have a nanny. I don't, you know, my grandparents are in their 70s. Um, so it's basically just me. And on those days to where, you know, this past weekend, I went and saw my mom Saturday. And then so I drove to Kentucky Saturday, saw her came home Saturday night. So that's a total of six, about six and a half hour drive. Uh, mm. Saturday, Sunday, I get up, fly to New Jersey, speak at an event, meet with a lawyer, fly back home, get home at eight o'clock, get her in bed. And then Monday I hit the ground running with working and school. And yeah. when you realize like too, when I, I was like so sick and I was like, well, I, I still have to get up. I still can't be sick. Up. Yeah. I can't right. be sick. Moms don't like, get sick. Yeah. You, no, like you can't you be, just, yeah. you can't. And so, and it's not like I have like a boyfriend or a husband or whatever that's living with me or like, I, there's no one else that I can say, Hey, I need you to do this. Mm. They'll have to show up regardless of how I feel. And that's been the really tough part is trying to find balance because if I'm depleted and I'm not good for myself, how can I possibly be good for them? And I've had to, luckily I have like one of my really best friends and she stepped in and helped me with Chloe because she has a son that's younger and that's been a saving grace. And mm -hmm. so I've had to allow myself to accept help from people, Absolutely. Um, but it's, that's the most challenging part is when you are doing it solo and I have to be mom, dad, I have to provide, I have to work, I have to like, it just, it's, it's, it's so much Savannah. I, yeah. is there ever a moment where you get angry or you get resentful to your parents or the situation or anything because it just feels like too much and you're depleted? You know, I, I don't, maybe early, I think early on, I was just angry at everyone. Like mm, I would sure. angry at everyone and that was the toughest part but when it comes to my parents I think I look at it and I know the ins and outs of our situation and our court case and unfortunately I I mean I grew up in the south like you love the United States of America you love like you live and breathe our mm -hmm. country how it is when you grow up in the South. And unfortunately, my viewpoint of that has changed because I've seen it firsthand. Mm -hmm. And you really don't know the extent of a situation until you're truly in it. Mm -hmm. And I saw firsthand 
corruption within our government and the government breaking laws to get what they want. And these are things that we've obviously put put in an appeal that people can go and read. Mm-hmm. But I see the injustices that have occurred. So there's no way for me to be mad at them when well, got you. I've seen how unfair this situation has been. And also, it's just like, you know what? If they have to be inconvenienced for us to change millions of people's lives, then we're willing to do it. But I've, I, very early on, I had told myself that I was going to take that anger and deal with it effectively um, because I saw myself just lashing out at everyone because I was so angry. And I was like, okay, how is this going to help? How is this going to change our life or our circumstances? And it wasn't. And so if I took my anger and channeled it into learning about our justice system and learning about these conditions and learning, you know, educating myself with lawyers, that is dealing with my anger in an effective way that can get us somewhere. And so I just, I, I, at that point, I owed it to myself because anger allow anger, all it does is it eats away at you. It makes you a bitter, miserable human being. And no one wants to be that way. So mm-hmm. I just a point very early on to tell myself, all right, we're not going to be angry. We're going to become resourceful. <laughs> so instead mm-hmm. of anger, let's become resourceful and figure out a more productive way to deal with this. I love that question. Am I using anger effectively? Is this effective? Is it getting me what I want? And if not, you know, you have to feel it. And then it's, well, how do I rearrange this and use it in the way that is going to help get what I most want or need? Yeah. yeah. It's really your outlook on all of it is is unbelievable. I hope you know how rare you are. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> to turn your experiences into this and to ask yourself those questions and to step out of it the way that you have or to step into it the way that you have in the responsibility and your your, your mission with it in, in wanting to bring awareness and help change lives. And I'm just really impressed with you, as a, especially as a 26-year-old woman. It's phenomenal. Um, Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, really yeah. freaking cool. When you say you want to change lives and bring awareness and all the things that you've learned, what is that stuff that you're doing? What are you moving forward with what you now know? Is that does, is that the right question to ask? Does that make sense? Yeah, without a doubt. So, you know, unfortunately, when you are fighting against the government, it is tough um, because you start to become a target and it's, it's been tough for me to do what I need to do. But the first step that I've taken is just putting the truth out there and exposing things. And I use my dad's Instagram to do that because I'm not going to flood mine with it. Um, (laughs) I use his to do that because the unfortunate part is, is you don't have people that are incarcerated that have a voice that can reach millions of people. You also don't have people that a lot of people are scared. They're scared of retaliation and they're scared of just, they don't have the resources or, and and that's the really tough part. So I'm in the process of starting an organization to where it can be a place for not only incarcerated individuals to come to for resources, uh, whether it's lawyers or, um, you know, just to hold the government accountable, but also family members, because mm. now for 2 million people incarcerated, therefore you have around roughly 6 million people that are affected by our system when it comes to family members and children. And that's the biggest thing is children that are impacted by this are statistics prove that they are more likely to become teen pregnancy, depression, anxiety, alcoholism, drug use, um, and chances are they will be incarcerated themselves. So statistically proving, proven, like, are we, by incarcerating these individuals, is that what's best for society? If you're talking about a crime that is white collar or that, you know, to where you're not endangering people, what Mm -hmm. is a better way to what are better consequences for these people is it going to be classes is it going to be paying fines is it going to be there needs to be reform when it comes to that because frankly 
all we've done is we throw these people in and we throw away the key. And, you know, over the years, obviously, any government mental health facilities have been shut down. And there is a chart that I go to a lot and it shows over the years like you had let's say in the 80s you had these mental health facilities were at an all-time capacity um they were filled but Mm -hmm. then as those facilities start closing you see obviously that goes down and the people that are in these facilities but at the same time that graph is going down our prison population is going up so that just shows you that we're throwing these people in prison that need mental health treatment, that need therapy, that need medication. Instead of giving them that help, we're just going to throw them away. And mm-hmm. by throwing them away, and I tell people, I'm like, if you don't care about these people, that's fine. Then that's on you. But therefore, you're probably a little self-absorbed. And if you're self-absorbed, then guess how much money this is costing you to house these people in federal prison. Right. It's costing $150 a day for you to house them. So that's coming out of taxpayer dollars. So if you don't care about them, care about where your tax money is going. Money's going. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's just about bringing awareness to these things because people don't know. And that's kind of what I'm doing. I've connected with a handful of politicians, um, both Democrat and Republican, because mm-hmm. it's, at the end of the day, it's not a left or right issue. It's right. a human issue. It's a people issue. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a people issue. So I don't care left, right. I'm worried about the people and I want to help save lives. And I want to help rehabilitate people because that's something that we don't do. Um, there, you know, they tout that there's all these things to rehabilitate, but no one's holding the Bureau of Prisons accountable. So they actually, there's one facility that hasn't had a GED class in five years, but Mm. by law, they're supposed to have them. And so there aren't regulations to hold these people accountable. And we're not teaching people how to re-enter back into society. I mean, you know, you're in prison for 10 years. You don't know how to get out and work an iPhone. You don't know how to pay a bill. You don't know how to use Venmo. Like we're not teaching people. We I like to say we're teaching them a currency for prison. We're not teaching them a currency for the outside world. Hmm. Interesting. So true. Powerful statement. Yeah. Very true. So it's it's tough, but I like to say, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you have to change doesn't just happen you have to force change sometimes and it's going to be uncomfortable people aren't going to like it and chances are people are going to turn against you before they turn for you savannah the road the road less traveled is we've said it a a million times here the road less traveled is exactly is called that because it's a hard road to be on Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stepping back into family stuff for a second, you said you have five siblings, right? And you are currently uh, the caretaker of your two younger ones. Where are your two older siblings? Are they involved in your life and helping out? Not at all. Uh, my two oldest siblings are from my dad's first marriage. So they're from his first marriage and they just, over the years, I feel like there's been a lot of anger and resentment. Um just over the fact that my parents were together, theirs weren't. And oh, then when the show came about, I feel like there was jealousy. There was a whole bunch of things that were involved. Um, the oldest two were also involved in my parents' criminal case. Um, so they were, there was a lot of jealousy. They worked with the government. There is a lot of proof to show that. Mm. Um, and so at that point I'm done, you know, my loyalty is to my parents and it's to the people who have always been there for me and loved me and showed up for me. And yeah, so they're, they're not in the picture at all. And then Chase, who is my brother, who is, 14 months older than me. He lives here in Nashville. So he's here. And then it's me, 26, Grayson, 17, mm -hmm. and now Chloe, who's 10. Who's 10. I think wow. people always make that mistake. They, they always say like, oh, well, if it's family, like you've got to be there no matter what. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you try no matter what, but then at some point, if you have to move on from a situation because it's unhealthy and not good for you to be in, then uh, then you do that. That's just my stance on it. I've had experiences uh, within my family where that's, that's just had to be the case. And um, I'm a hundred. I just spoke about this not long ago. And I said, is I said, as an adult, it's my responsibility to have healthy relationships. It's my mm -hmm. responsibility to identify what is healthy in a relationship and what's not healthy. And just because you're family doesn't mean I have to be the punching bag or I have to take unhealthy behavior just because we're blood related. I, I'm mm -hmm. a firm believer that like I have friends who have been better family to me than my, some of my own family members. Right. So at the end of the day, the hurt didn't start with me, but it can stop with me. Mm. You keep saying these things. Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> a good one. We might so have to good. use that quote. My we might gosh. have to use that on our page. So really? Savannah, what's a funny moment? I mean, in the last 10 months, obviously you, you've gone through a lot of surprising things, a lot of um, heavier things. You've made a lot of lemonade out of lemons in situations that you've been in. What's something that's just funny, a total... I was cooking dinner one night in the last 10 months and this was the best meal we had, or I never knew how hard it was to do this. What is something that's just yeah. kind of funny that comes to mind? I think funny would be, like I said, the kids and I are like growing up together. So we're learning as we go. And I had been around the kids nonstop, like nonstop. And then I'm like, okay, like I want to get back to dating. I want to, you know, so very early on, I was like, I was talking to a few people. I wasn't dating anyone. And Chloe was like, Savannah, we have to have a talk. And I was like, oh, I love it. Wait, how, oh, wait, how old is Chloe again? Sorry. Just, ten. 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 We have yeah. to have a talk. I was like, okay, what? 
like, did something happen? She was like, it's about you. I was like, okay. I was like, what's this about? She goes, all right, which guy do we like the best? We have oh my God. And I was dying. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, okay, I have a 10-year-old that's like, hey, you need to stop. We need to pick <laughs> one person you like, and that's it. And so it was funny because I'm like, you know, I, I'm her sister, so I'm not her mother. So it was funny because I'm like, all right, we're growing up together, okay? Like, we're learning as we go. We're But the fact I had a 10-year-old call me out on my game, I was like, all right. <laughs> That's amazing. And also like a funny blurred line, right? You jump yeah. in and out of being yeah. like the parent to the sister, you know, and, yeah. and so she's like, listen, it's going to narrow down the boyfriends. All right. You know, yeah. right. <laughs> so cute. like I tell people and because you know how it is in today's day and age, people will mom shame, parent shame. Constant. Yeah. Yeah. It's constant. constant. Yes. And I remind people I'm like hey I didn't lay down and have these kids okay like I I stepped in I was the sister and then I stepped in as caretaker and parent mm -hmm. so I yes I do have these certain expectations as a parent but also like I really am just sister you know so I've had to I've definitely had to put a few people in their place along the way of course yeah, I mean, I'm. It's a shame that people are giving you that. You're learning, literally, like you said, it's trial by fire. What it is, she's right. Yeah. There's a huge difference between stepping into a, a parent role with kids that are somewhat grown to, as I think you call it, laying down and having a kid. Is that what you said? Yeah. And then lay down and have these kids. I mean, listen, that's yep, pretty that's much how way. you make them and how you have them. <laughs> that's um, that's the way. It's it's a huge difference, and I relate to that into you know being a step parent and also now having a biological son. Like the difference that what you learn, what you learn once they come out of you, what you what unlocks in you that you just magically know. Like you cannot replace that in an instant just because you suddenly have these beautiful kids that you've got to take care of. You have to learn along the way. Honestly, the hard way. You know, yeah. it, and it's you're stepping into it um, when people have already been playing those roles, you know, so you're like, am I being compared to or how did they do it or what am I doing? That's huge to step into. And I think um, giving yourself grace with that in in your process of learning is is so important. Um, it's it's because yeah. it's big. No, there's no rule book on how to do it. But of course, there are the people that want to shame you if you're not doing it the way that they that, say. Which is that that's amazing to me. I mean, the the fact that uh, that Savannah stepped into a situation she didn't ask for it. She stepped into it because she literally needed to, and then she is being um, shamed for it any choices that she's making and trying to figure out how to do this oh. is beyond me. I think people are out of their minds for doing that. Trust mm, me. Totally. We did a, you know, there was that whole hot chip challenge that came out, right? That, oh like, yeah. All that the was kids were that blue chip that you had to yeah, eat. That was so turning people's mouths green. Or something. I didn't even see this. What oh. was this? So it's this hot chip challenge. It's like supposed to be like the world's hottest chip and all these okay. kids are doing challenge and so Grayson and Chloe wanted to do it and I was like all right whatever it's funny like and this was yeah. before this was before someone had passed away from doing it oh my and, lord oh wow. yeah like I didn't They're know <laughs> like, I didn't know that and so we filmed it like for YouTube on the podcast of the kids doing it oh my gosh people were like someone needs to call like child, protective child services I can't stand that she's mistreating these children and i was like or please i was like if this is mistreating it's not tide children, pods for god's sakes it's a chip it's <laughs> right. actual food right exactly <laughs> you know I'm, yeah this it, is it, children i want to be mistreated i want to be mistreated if this is mistreated <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally yeah if this is it Wow. Yeah. Listen, people are always going to have something to say. You can't please everybody. That's yeah. for sure. But I feel like you're doing an incredible job at stepping into um, unplanned circumstances and making the most out of it. It's really impressive. I know I said that about five times already, but I am really impressed by you. It's it so, is. It's I'm so very inspiring. impressed with your self-talk. I saw yeah. it on Special Forces. I've listened to your podcast and interviews and just talking with you today, the way that you're able to be self-aware to change the and work with the thoughts that you're having is something that is unique. I mean, it, obviously therapy helps in doing self-work, yeah. but to be able to make that shift 
is something that is so important, especially when dealing with trauma from your past, especially stepping into, I know you're the sister, stepping into any sort of parent role Mm-hmm. where if you have trauma, and let's be real, most of us have some form of trauma, likely. Yeah. When you step into that role, you get to face your trauma in a new way because it highlights what was the same and what you would do different and how it just it exposes everything. And it can be like a raw nerve, but it could also be so incredibly healing to see that and have that experience while stepping into that role. Mm, Yeah, without a doubt. So what's next for you? Where do you go from here? Gosh, what's next? So my podcast Unlocked with Savannah is just, it's been a good platform for me to be open and honest and vulnerable and share things that I've never spoken about before. But we are also in the process. We've partnered with a production company called Scout. And they did the show Queer Eye and a bunch of mm-hmm. other ones, but partnered with them. And we have a new show that we're filming. Uh, and I like to say this will be the first reality show that we've ever filmed. And it's going to follow me and the kids and um, me, the kids chase my grandparents and also just the fight to get my parents home wow. along with dating and relationships and trying to manage career or personal life kids all the things in one so we're really excited about that that's really cool and, and brave of you to want to put all that out there I think that yes. is awesome and I love that this opportunity has I'm sure you created it you know and you brought it into your space but I love that you have that where you get to do as you said your first reality show where you don't have to pretend everything is okay if it's not. You get to practice this skill of being vulnerable and honest and sharing, you know, that it's not it's okay to not be okay and the truth of what's going on. And and of course, I'm sure it will help with putting the spotlight on the fight for you getting your parents out. For sure. And I like to say, I mean, celebrities need to realize that like all these other people profit off of their misfortune and like their hardship. And I was just like, you know what? no one else is going to profit off of our hurt other than us. So I might as well exploit it before someone else gets the chance to. Heck yes, hey. girl. Amen to that. Yeah, like, That's a good stance. If you're going to do it, do it your way and absolutely. have it benefit you in the ways that yeah. you want. I yeah, you it. own it. You I own that a lot. Savannah, so great spending a little so time great. with you and talking with you. Thank you. Again, I'm so impressed with you, Savannah. And I, I'm so I, I'm so excited for, for people to just continue to see you and grow with you. And I think I think the way you are uh, sharing your life and speaking to people is is incredible. It's really Thanks. incredible. Thank you so much for being a guest here on this. I know you have kids, you have stuff that you need to go, go do, but thank you so much for giving us time. Yes. I really appreciate you, Savannah. Thank you. Bye. Bye, honey. Oh, I can't believe I missed some of that. I'm so disappointed in myself. LA traffic, baby. I know you guys held it down well. Savannah's amazing. Um, She's amazing. What an incredible story. I know Randy's over there itching because he could have done two episodes with Savannah in just understanding how incredible she is and what she's been through. Oh, yeah. Could you see how many questions I wanted? I I wanted to go deep in so many areas. I I was like, oh, oh." I could see you wiping sweat every time the camera would cut to you because you were like, you, you had like 50 questions, but you just had to narrow it down to one at a time. I think that since Savannah so beautifully was, you know, sharing her story and her current experiences with us, it would be so cool to have her on another episode of Oldish that was more targeted to like how to manage your negative self-talk, like to those subjects that we really dive into Mm -hmm. and trying to help people and building those skills to move forward. I think she would be an unbelievable guest. Maybe she'll come back again and I'll, I'll try and be here for the the whole episode. That would be awesome if you could. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the thing that really jumped out was the point where she's she's 15 she's a teen there's all this stuff going on in mm-hmm. the background and yet she's on tv and I, I could relate to it for a moment because i did a reality show way back when and I, I was a hot mess during that show it's when my father passed away and i i know personally what that is like 
to have to play a role and to keep it together and try and be funny and entertaining and inside you want to scream or cry or just shrivel up for a moment and you can't. And mm -hmm. I think that there's something there about how to navigate feelings of playing these roles to people and how to step out of that role and just be you. And I think she's doing that beautifully. And I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. She really is. She's a very impressive young woman. Randy, I know you've got to get to work. You've got stuff going on. People um, need you, Randy. I do. People need I you. Do. Yeah. The, bat, the, the bat signal is up, man. Your yeah, phone is going to put on the sure. cape and, and go do my other job. Um, so good to see you both as always. Yeah. And thank you so much to everybody that listened uh, once again. And we will be back uh, with a Q&A. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Bye, Bye you guys. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes, you guys are amazing. Make sure you guys go and follow us on Instagram at, at oldishpod. And you can also go and leave us a message at our own hotline, which is 855-OLDISH-3. Make sure and write us a review. Leave us five stars if you loved it. Leave us five stars if you didn't. We it love helps. five stars. <laughs> we love five stars. Yeah, we like five stars. stars. Yeah. See you all next right. week. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you next week, everyone. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.